What is up, college football fans? Welcome to a very special Locked On Red River crossover edition. I'm John Williams, host of Locked On Sooners, and joining me is the new host of Locked On Longhorns, Jonathan Davis. We're going to talk off-season Oklahoma football, off-season Texas football, just get into recruiting, position battles. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Jonathan, how you doing, man? Welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you, and I, I'm excited for our first edition of this Red River crossover. I'm uh, crossover Red River Red River rivalry crossover. It never gets easier to say. <laughs> it never gets easier to say, um, and I'm sure we'll be doing this a lot. So I'm excited, excited to be part of the network overall, covering Longhorn sports. Yeah, man, we're glad, we're glad to have you. It's going to be great, and yes, we're going to have plenty of these uh, shows to talk about. First of all, let's just talk recruiting because that's been the big thing that's transpired over the last couple of weeks. How do you feel like Texas recruiting class ended up all together? I mean, obviously, big names came in in the transfer portal. You got Quinn Ewers. You got the big names on the offensive line as well. NIL gave you a little bit of a boost on that front. But how are you feeling? How is Austin feeling about the Texas Longhorns recruiting class? Well, everybody's excited, you know, with the number five recruiting class in the nation, uh, the first in the Big 12. And it started with the offensive line, really the offensive and defensive lines, but the headliners were the two uh, five-star offensive linemen, the best offensive linemen in the country. Both went to high school in Texas, and that was uh, Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks. Uh, Devin Campbell was number nine in the country. Kelvin Banks was number 32. And I think they're really going to come in and, and shore up that offensive line and, and really be um, beneficial to B. John Robinson in the run game. And then the defensive end, they got some really good prospects, four stars um, on the defensive line and Justice Finkley and Jamon Tapp. And then in the defensive backfield with Terrence Brooks and Jalen Gilbo. So people are really excited in Austin about this recruiting class. And it's definitely with the offensive and defensive lines, the defensive backfield. And then you talked about the transfers um, that they brought in, uh, you know, like Quinn Ewers and Jaleel Billingsley, Isaiah Nair and, and Ryan Watts. So, this, this recruiting class and, and Sark's really first time to get out there and fully recruit and, and have all of his time invested to it, uh, it looked like he did a really good job. Yeah, they definitely have put a lot of guys to pen to paper over the last few months. And it, does, it definitely makes a difference having a full year in the cycle versus just a couple months like Oklahoma's experiencing the last few months with Brent Venables. So who's kind of the under-the-radar guy for the Texas Longhorns recruiting class that Oklahoma Sooners fans need to be aware of uh, over the next couple of years? Yeah, I was I would say on the defensive line, and, and he was one of the best defensive line prospects. But just with the offensive line getting so much, Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks getting so much publicity, I say Justice Finkley. Um, he can he's from Alabama. He wrestled in high school as well. Um, he can play all of the defensive line spots. He's on the edge, but he can slide down to defensive tackle depending on what you're asking them to do with the defense. Uh, he's really strong, really good with his hands, really strong at the point of attack, and and I think he's going to be um, one of the best players on this defense for the next few years and. He's going to give you all trouble <laughs> in the rivalry and uh, definitely look like he, he's going to be uh, playing on Sundays in the future. I, I really like him, and I think he's going to be an impact player uh, at the 40 Acres for a long time over the next few years. Yeah, there's certainly a trend happening with the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns as they get ready to go into the SEC. Both sides are trying to beef up the, the defensive and offensive fronts. But let's talk about like the back seven for Oklahoma or for Texas. Sorry. I mean, that was an area that they struggled with a little bit in, in years past. How are things looking for them in the 2022 recruiting class in the linebacker core and the defensive back group? Yeah, so linebacker, there's going to be a, a – we'll get into this more in the position battles, but you have uh, DeMar being overshine, uh, the converted safety to linebacker, who, you know, shown a lot of upside and potential. He's going to have a big year this year, hopefully. 
if that defense wants to shore up the 100th ranked defense in college football last year. And then a big position battle between uh, Luke Rockermeyer and, and Jalen Ford in the middle. And then on the de- defensive backfield, you have Deshaun Jameson, who's probably the most established DB at corner. Uh, but you had the 82nd overall prospect in the country, Terrence Brooks, come in, Jalen Gilbo, both four-star corners who are already enrolled in the spring. Um, I like Brian Allen Jr., a safety that's going to come in out of Alito, four-star safety. He's going to compete right away, um, maybe play next to Jaron Thompson or compete for J- uh, Jaron Thompson's spot. So, uh, you know, Sark said he wanted to bring, you know, 30 new players into this program. And he brought in 32. And a big part of that was um, transforming the defensive line, offensive line and the defensive backfield. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of, of new players getting some playing time with the DBs and then linebackers. Like I said, it's going to be Jalen Ford probably um, if, if he can take Luke Brockermeyer's spot and then DeMarvian Overshine. Um, Shoring up the, the linebacker spot. And on the offensive side of the football, we know Quinn Ewers is, is a big step up from Casey Thompson, even though he's going to be playing his first meaningful snaps of college football. He's a very talented prospect. You got Bijan Robinson at running back. You got Xavier Worthy at wide receiver. Who's the 2022 signee that Oklahoma Sooners need to become familiar with because he's going to be making a lot of plays on Saturday? So I'm going to say it's going to be the transfer, uh, Isaiah Nair, uh, at Wyoming last year. He was in an offense that only threw the ball 35% of the time and he still averaged 20 yards per reception, had 878 yards and 12 touchdowns. And so looking at him, Xavier Worthy was the freshman All American. They're looking for Jordan Whittington to possibly be that number two receiver, but he's been hurt a lot, missed 13 games over the last two years. I think Isaiah Nair steps right in. Uh, he's 6'3, 210, has 6'2, 210, has really good size. Um, can win jump balls, and I think he's going to be a problem for the Sooners and, and just all the teams in the Big 12. Um, that's who I think is going to be the the impact player uh, that, that Sooners fans need to look out for uh, on the offense next year. It's going to be Isaiah Nair coming in from Wyoming. Um, they're going to pass the ball a lot more at Texas than 35% of the time next year, and they'll have a lot more opportunities. And like I said, at Wyoming, he averaged 20 yards of reception, so he's a very explosive player. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a little bit of a problem. I mean, Xavier Worthy already was a problem. They had uh, USC transfer cornerback uh, Latrell McCutcheon standing on his head in the Red River Showdown last year. So, uh, we're not looking forward to seeing Xavier Worthy again. And then a guy who averages twenty yards per reception—that's that that that's not great. I mean, hopefully Oklahoma is going to have some answers for that. I mean, we got some guys in the secondary that are going to be pretty good. But you know, it, as far as our recruiting class goes, I mean, there's. It, it, it was a recruiting class that was looking really, really good when Lincoln Riley was still the head coach. When he stepped away, that class fell to number 27th in the country, according to 247 Sports Composite Rankings. Brent Venables and his crew, they didn't, they didn't get sad. They didn't, you know, pout. They went straight to work, brought that class back into the top 10, number eight in the composite rankings. Um, it's, it's a good group. I mean, not, they don't have a five star player, but they have a ton of highly regarded four star players in the secondary along the defensive line as well. Brent Venables has made a significant uh, transformation. He's made a concerted effort to bring in defensive linemen and defensive backs. They added seven defensive linemen, seven defensive backs uh, in this recruiting class and the transfer portal. So it's a group that's looking really, really um, deep and potentially has some guys that might be able to make some plays on Saturdays for them, even this year. Yeah, no, I, I always respected Brent Venables for what he was able to do with those Clemson defenses. And, you know, Oklahoma, we did see it lose a lot of uh, recruits and, and prospects in the transfer portal. But you have to just know that Oklahoma is going to be one of the best teams in college football. Um, you have to assume that they've been that uh, for so long. So I guess who's one prospect 
that you're looking for that that the Longhorns fans need to watch out for um, in the Big 12 next year and, and of course, in, in the biggest game of the year against Texas? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I'll, I'll give you a transfer guy, and then I'll give you a, a recruit as well. So in the transfer portal, they got a guy named Jeff, Jeffrey Johnson. He played for Tulane. He's a one-tech defensive tackle, a big dude, 320, 330 pounds, a guy that's going to plug up the middle, something that's a little bit atypical to what Longhorn fans are used to seeing under Alex Grinch and even under Mike Stoops before him. This is a guy that's a run stuffer. He's going to be looking to clog up the middle and try to take away the A-gaps from Bijan Robinson, not allow him to, to scoot up the middle, make him bounce things outside. The hope is where your linebacker depth can can chase him down and prevent him from getting outside. Uh, a recruit on the defensive side of the football that could get some early playing time is a guy named Robert Spears Jennings, a fast-rising guy. He was a three-star recruit early in the recruiting cycle, earned his fourth star late uh, at the Under Armour All-American game, and is projected to play safety for the Sooners. And that's where they have a bit of a hole. Uh, they got Ke- uh, Keyshawn. Uh, oh my goodness. I'm breaking. I'm blanking on his name. Key Lawrence. Key, Key Lawrence. Uh, and that is going to play safety. Justin Broyles probably projects to play safety as well. Uh, but Robert Spears Jennings might make some noise and, and get some playing time. Another one on the offensive side of the football, Caden Helms. This is a guy that's received a lot of praise out of winter workouts just for the ability to come in, do the work. He's already put on some weight. And he's a tight end that is going to have an opportunity, I think, to split out into the slot and be just an underrated playmaker for the Oklahoma Sooners. He's not going to get a ton of snaps. He won't start for the Sooners. That'll probably be Braden Willis at tight end. But I think he's somebody that could sneakily just get opportunities and make big plays in the passing game for the for the Sooners. Uh, another guy to, to look out for, a couple guys, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk, two highly regarded four-star running backs. Uh, Sachuk out of Colorado, Javante Barnes out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Two guys that have a ton of speed and a ton of playmaking ability with the ball in their hands. And you know, with Oklahoma losing Kennedy Brooks to the NFL draft, they've got to find somebody else to carry the load. And right now it's looking like Marcus Major or Eric Gray, but they could rely on these young guys to take 10 touches a game between the two of them. And I think that could pose some problems for the Big 12 and potentially for Texas in the Red River Showdown. For sure. And as far as the most important uh, position on the offense and, and quarterback, what what type of season are you looking for from Dylan Gabriel next year, assuming he's going to be the starter? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be the starter. Jeff Levy mints no words about it. This is not Lincoln Riley's teams where we're having uh, quarterback competitions between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall. It's it's Dylan Gabriel's team. He, uh, Jeff Levy said he's the starter. There's no reason to to confuse the the fact otherwise and i i'm expecting big things i mean this is a guy that's got 26 starts under his belt he's thrown uh, for 8,000 yards he's got 79 total touchdowns so he's coming in as one of the more experienced players uh, that oklahoma's had in the last couple of years i mean they had spencer rattler two years ago as the starter caleb williams and spencer rattler started games for him this year but he's familiar with jeff levy's offense and so I think that's going to give him and this Oklahoma Sooners a bit of a leg up as they go into spring workouts and do the Jeff Levy installation. Now, this is an offense that's not as predicated on the big play like Lincoln Riley's was in the past. They've got short passing game stuff schematically involved in their offense, which I think is going to benefit the Oklahoma Sooners, who got a little too reliant on the big play last year. And that led to you see Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, just holding on to the ball too long and at times taking sacks that 
probably they shouldn't have taken if they would have gotten rid of the ball quicker or had something open to them more more quickly in the passing uh, the passing game. So I'm expecting big things from Dylan Gabriel. I think he's expecting big things. I think the Oklahoma Sooners wouldn't have tried to bring him in if they didn't believe that he could come and be a, a starter that could potentially help them contend for a Big 12 title and get back into the college football playoff picture. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have a really good uh, season next year as well. Yeah, I think so too. And before we talk about more offseason stuff, we got to talk to you all about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game just this Sunday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. BetOnline has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So Jonathan, what what was one of your kind of favorite bets that you made this past season? Oh, geez. Um, so favorite bets I made this past season, I had a parlay in, and it came down to the the first three teams. I think it was Texas against Oklahoma State. Uh-huh. Uh, there was two other college basketball teams, and it came down to that that Packers 49ers game. And I had also had like Hornets or, or something like that. Uh-huh. No, I had the Thunder uh, plus points. And the first three teams hit, and there was a break. And so I was like, should I cash out? I, I'm pretty sure the 49ers are, or the Packers are going to beat the 49ers, and the Thunder were going to cover. But something told me the bird in the hand. I cashed out. The 49ers end up beating the Packers, so that has to be one of my favorite bets, just because I was able to take the money before I lost it. So yeah, that that has to that has to be one of mine. What about you? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'll tell you my least favorite one was when I put uh, money on Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman. That did definitely not pay off well for me. Um, and you know, I'll admit, I, I I definitely put some money on the Oklahoma Sooners to make the college football playoff, and that didn't work out either. A lot of disappointing bets, but. Um, no, I, I had, I had, a, man, I can't remember, but um, took took a lot of the overs in the NFL playoffs this year, and I think that was that was definitely uh, fortuitous for me um, this off season. But and I, I'm just gonna say I'm not liking Caleb Williams' odds to win the Heisman, even though he's got like these. I think it's like plus five hundred. I saw. To me, if you're gonna put money on the Heisman at BetOnline.net, make sure you put it on probably Bryce Young. Uh, to me, even though he's got the the less money odds, it's probably safe to say he's going to be the contender for the Heisman. So let's look ahead to spring ball, spring practice. We already talked, you touched on some position battles a little bit, but going to the offensive side of the football, what's a position battle that you're looking at right there? So on offense, I think tight end is one. So you have the transfer from Alabama, Jaleel Billingsley mm-hmm. coming in, and then you also have Jatavian Sanders, who in the 2021 class, was the number one athlete. He spent most of his time with the tight ends last year, didn't get a lot of snaps. I think there'll be times where they'll both be on the field at the same time, but who's going to be that emerging tight end one, who's going to be that standout, get the most of the receiving snaps, uh, get the most of, uh, of the routes that remains to be seen. Now, Jaleel Billingsley, we know he has the talent, but you know, he kind of fell out of favor at Alabama. We'll see Sark coast him at Alabama. We'll see if he'll be able uh, to get the most out of him and, and be able to get his full potential realized because we know he has a lot of that. And then Jatavian Sanders, like I said, in his second year, I think he'll see a lot more on the field time. So that's a position battle I'm looking at who really emerges in that situation. And then at right receiver, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. 
Isaiah Nair or, or Jordan Whittington, who's going to emerge as the number two receiver um, behind Xavier Worthy. Of course, they'll, they'll be on the field at the same time, uh, but it'll just be interesting to see whoever's at quarterback will likely be Quinn Ewers, who is that second most targeted player on the offense. Is it Isaiah Nair or will Jordan Whittington be able to stay healthy um, and kind of, you know, show that talent and, and potential that we've seen over the last few years um, with him missing games, having a full season and being able to put in a full uh, body of work, I should say. Yeah, I think one of the, the big question marks and position battles that we'll see for the Oklahoma Sooners as well is that wide receiver. They've got Marvin Mims coming back. They got Theo Weiss coming back after his injury. And so it's going to be that third wide, wide receiver position battle that's going to really take place, take shape. And that's you got Jalil Farouk, who had a great game against Oregon. You got Drake Stoops coming back, who's just a, a clutch player for the Oklahoma Sooners. But you also got to include Cody Jackson, a highly regarded player out of the 2021 class as well. Trayvon West, another guy that's more of the Drake Stoops t- type build. Uh, but again, just makes plays in the passing game and as a as a returner or as a uh, reverse player, a guy that you can run the jet sweep to. But another big position battle for the Oklahoma Sooners is what's going to happen at right tackle. I mean, they've got several guys, Bray Walker, Wanye uh, Morris, and, and you know, Savon Bird, several guys that could fill in at right tackle taking over for Tyrese Robinson, who's headed off to the NFL. Uh, so they've got some big question marks to, and big holes to fill especially on the edge. I mean, they lost Nick Bonito, Isaiah Thomas, who are going to the NFL draft. They've got quite a few young guys that are just waiting for opportunities. And Marcus Stripling, uh, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, Clayton Smith, who emerges to get those starter snaps and then who becomes kind of more of the rotational guy. It's going to be really interesting to see. What's kind of the biggest question mark you have for the the Texas Longhorns heading into spring ball? Yeah, and so this is kind of a, a big position battle the biggest, even though most people think Quinn Ewers will be the starter, but I also think that's one of the biggest questions. Um, is will, you know, Sark favor their experience of Hudson Carr? We saw him start two games last year, played in eight games, or will he go with the, the highly touted, as highly graded as you can be, um, all world prospect out of South Lake Carroll in Quinn Ewers? And so, you know, Hudson Carr probably has the advantage right now going into spring ball, him already having been in the system, playing in Sark's system. But then Quinn Ewers comes in with, you know, the arm talent, probably the best arm talent we've seen in the University of Texas. So that's the biggest question going into this year is how long will this, you know, position battle at quarterback continue to go on? When will Sark name the starter? Who has the advantage going into spring ball? Will Hudson Card keep it if he has it? Or will Quinn Ewers be able to take it from him just off pure talent? How fast will he be able to grasp the offense and become a leader in that locker room? I think that's the biggest question covering over this team right now because the ceiling, you know, I think Hudson Card is, is is good, you know, maybe not great, but I think he's a really good quarterback. But but Quinn Ewers is is that quarterback that raises the ceiling of your football team. And so if he's not able to start week one, you know, that's a big question uh, and, it, and it limits the ceiling of this football team. And so that's going to be the biggest question going into spring ball is, is who's going to be the starting quarterback in the fall for the Texas Longhorns, Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers. And I, I'd, ask, I'd be shocked if it wasn't Quinn Ewers. Like they went to Hudson Card last year out of fall camp, ended up not really working out well for him. They turned to Casey Thompson. Things didn't necessarily get much better. They kind of had this quarterback, um, you know, rigmarole going on. Uh, and so it, it would be it'd be surprising to me if it wasn't Quinn Ewers. I mean, he transferred from Ohio State looking for a, a job. Um, but you never know. I mean, Sark surprised me last year when he went with Card over over Thompson, uh, but 
I mean, he, he's a guy that knows offensive football. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he did that. But uh, I think for the Oklahoma Sooners, I mean, like I said, I, I talked about the offensive line a little bit. The, the biggest question mark for me right now is along the defensive front. I think they're going to be okay, but you lose three of your four starters. And that, that's an, that, that's significant to me. And I think they've got good players, but I, we just haven't seen them play enough to, to know that they're going to be able to hold up for a full season as the starters. I mean, we saw great flashes out of them out of, in the uh, Alamo Bowl against Oregon. But again, Reggie Grimes, Clayton Smith, Marcus Stripling, Ethan Downs, are they going to be ready to take on the, the role of lead pass rusher for the Oklahoma Sooners in the wake of losing Nick Bonito and Isaiah Thomas? Uh, it's several questions. Right? You can't lose 12 guys to the NFL draft, several more starters to the mm-hmm. transfer porter, portal, and not have question marks. As much as we're confident in Brent Venables and this coaching staff to develop guys and put them in good positions to succeed, it still creates question marks. And and we think they're going to be okay. We have a lot of optimism and a lot of hope about the Oklahoma Sooners moving forward. Again, it's a matter of, I just, I'm ready to see it. I, I, I think these guys have a lot of talent. They were highly regarded coming out of high school. Now it's just time to put the the paper to the pad, get them on the field, see who's going to emerge as the starting edge rushers for the Oklahoma Sooners because you got to be able to rush the passer, especially in the Big 12 where the passing game is so critical. That's going to be key. They've got Jalen Redmond coming back, which is huge for them. I thought he was going to go to the NFL, but he's coming back for one more season under Brent Venables. We know what Todd Bates, the former Clemson, Clemson defensive tackles coach, now with the Sooners, we know what he's capable of doing with defensive tackles. I think it's going to be a breakout year for Jalen Redmond. Uh, looking kind of more towards the 2022 season what's one game aside from the red river showdown we know we're always looking forward to the red river showdown what's one game you're looking forward to on the texas longhorn schedule well this is probably the easy answer but the second week of the season uh the the crimson tie come to austin texas they come to the 40 acres and and they play the longhorns and and i think that's going to be a game where alabama's going to be favored but that's a game where texas is really going to see what type of team they have going into Big 12 conference play um, and what type, you know, if they think they'll be able to compete for a, a Big 12 championship or maybe the college football playoff, it starts with that game against Alabama, whether they win um, or just if they're really competitive, it, it's all going to be determined off of that game. And then a, a conference game, of course, outside of Oklahoma, I'll say Baylor. Baylor won the Big 12 last year and they looked really limited on offense against Ole Miss in that bowl game. I'm not sure how they'll look next year, but they're really good on defense. And if Texas is trying to win the Big 12, they're going to have to win that Baylor game. So I'll say Baylor in the Big 12 and then outside of that, outside of conference play, uh, it has to be Alabama. So for Oklahoma or outside of Texas, what's the the one game you have circled on the calendar? What's the one game that you think is going to be key uh, for Oklahoma success next year? Yeah, I mean, Nebraska jumps off the page, you know, in the non-conference schedule. That's just one of those big time rivalries that got renewed last year. And it lived up to the hype. It was a close game that came down to the wire. And it was a tough, well-fought game between for both sides. And we saw Nebraska all year long play close games. I'm curious to see how this team's going to look with Casey Thompson now at quarterback uh, instead of uh, Adrian Martinez. Is it going to be an improved offense? Or is it going to be one that is kind of about the same? It's going to be – I'm really interested to see how that that plays out. Um, on the, the conference schedule, I mean, you mentioned Baylor. But Oklahoma State for us, I mean, we got to get that one back. I mean, the Oklahoma Sooners were in great position. They got nine points right out of the gate in the third quarter of Bedlam last year. 
and then weren't able to do anything offensively to hold that lead throughout the rest of the second half. And the Oklahoma Sooners, they, they get, they get uh, Oklahoma State at home this year. They get Baylor at home. They get Kansas State at home. And then the, the mighty Kansas Jayhawks, they get them in Norman as well. Um, and so the Oklahoma Sooners, they've, they've got a lot of things to prove to themselves because they lost to Baylor, lost to Oklahoma State, uh, had to fight off a, a tough Kansas team, which Texas saw. Um, and they've got Kansas State coming to town too, which is a, a has been a tough game for them in recent years. Um, and so, I, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the Big 12 is it's a competitive league top to bottom. I mean, Texas Tech started showing signs of life over the the last half of the season. Uh, you know, and that and I think, you know, Texas Tech, TCU are teams that could make a little bit of noise um, in 2022 that we might not have thought otherwise because they made some pretty significant coaching hires that seem to have reinvigorated their fan bases, their programs a little bit. Who's a team that you think might be a dark horse in the Big 12 other than Texas? I don't know if they're a dark horse, but you just mentioned them. Oklahoma State, I think a lot of people think they're going to take a step back um, because of the defensive starters they've lost. But, you know, I, I think this is a team that really can still compete, can maybe ruin some team season if they're not one of the biggest uh, one of the best teams in the Big 12 next year. They can beat a Oklahoma or beat a Texas or beat a Baylor and kind of take them out of the college football playoff running. So I don't know if it's a dark horse, but I would say Oklahoma State, that's really a still uh, still a really good football team, still a football team that can beat anybody in the Big 12. Uh, and and could stop somebody from uh, achieving their goals next year as far as getting to the college football playoff um, if they have to go against a tough Oklahoma State team and ultimately lose. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State is a good choice. I mean, they they made a significant hire with Derek Mason. I think that's a really good hire for them to replace Jim Knowles. It, it may not they may not have the guys that they had last year, but again, Oklahoma State's done a pretty good job recruiting at least in the state of Oklahoma, and they've they've been able to build a defense. You don't just have a defense overnight. You've got to build toward that. And they've got some good players on that one. I think another one, you know, might be West Virginia. I mean, mm. yes, they yes they lost their starting quarterback from last year. But I think this might be one of those situations where, you know, like addition by subtraction. Like, I don't think they were in a good spot with Jared Deggy. I think they were better with maybe Garrett Green because he gives them a little bit more like dual threat ability, someone who can work off script and – I mean, West Virginia's offense will be not really much, except for like when they played Iowa State. I don't really expect Iowa State to to maintain their level of play. I expect them to take a bit of a step back. You know, they lost Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, you know, uh, Chase Chase Allen, uh, and so I, I don't you know expect them to to be as good as they were. This might be the rebuild year. Uh, who's a team that maybe a lot of people are are kind of hyping in the Big Twelve that you think might take a step back this year? Aside from Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one I wanted to say. Um, I I think Baylor. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Baylor, you know, they, we saw the season before last. I think they won like two or three games, maybe two. Uh, and then they yeah. broke out and, and won the Big 12 last year. But I, I think that's a team that stepped back, that, that'll take a step back. Um, I think Texas and Oklahoma will be at the top. And, and I think it'll be kind of a gap between the next set of teams. And I think people are Baylor. People are expecting Baylor, excuse me. Uh, to come out and compete again or, or possibly repeat. And I just don't think they uh, have the horses that, that Oklahoma and Texas do at this point. And so I think those two teams will kind of spring forward and, and Baylor will take a step back. I think people are a little higher on Baylor than I am right now. But what about you? Who's your team that you think people are overrating at this point? Yeah, I kind of tend to agree. I think Baylor's due for a bit of regression. I mean, yes, they, I mean, they went from 
the bottom feeder to the conference championship. I So I think they just slide back a little bit to the middle. I mean, they might be the third, fourth team, but I mean, I just don't see them contending. Uh, they lost Abram Smith. He's headed to the NFL. And I think he was a huge factor for them because that running game was so much predicated on his ability to break tackles and get to the second level and, and make big plays. They still got Tristan Ebner, who's a, a great playmaker, but is he going to be the physical back that, that they became accustomed to last year? And are they going to be able to ride that running game to the conference championship game? I, I, I have my doubts. Um, and I, and then Oklahoma State is a team that I think is due to take a bit of a step back. Mostly because I don't really trust Spencer Sanders to be yeah. a consistent player throughout the season. We saw what happened. I mean, he, had, he played the game of his life against Oklahoma. And then the very next week, went out and laid an egg against Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. And so I just, he's he's got a lot of experience and he's played a ton of football. And he has an opportunity to improve. If he can improve the, his turnovers, then that's a guy that could potentially carry Oklahoma State to another Big 12 title game. But for me, like if you're a guy that turns the ball over, you always turn the ball over. You look at a guy yeah. like Jameis Winston, he turned the ball over a ton at Florida State, got to the NFL, continued to turn the ball over a ton. And and it took like a guy like Sean Payton kind of like like pulling him back to make it to where he didn't turn over the football. I don't know if the Oklahoma State Cowboys have a Sean Payton that's capable of saying, all right, <laughs> quit turning the ball over. So that that's kind of where I'm at with Baylor and Oklahoma State. I, I think the the league is due for a little bit of upheaval in 2022. What's any more final thoughts that you've got on on where we're headed towards the spring? What we're looking at in the 2022 season? No, like I said, I just think it's uh, going to be key to see who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Longhorns in the fall, and if they want to be better than they were last year, you know, they're going to have to be, you know, being five and seven, but. The key to this team is going to be on the defensive end. They only had 20 sacks last year. You talked about pressure. They were 100th ranked in the nation in defense. And they're going to be a lot better, I think, with some of the additions they made on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield. So those are two things we have to look out for. Other than that, Bijan Robinson, um, early Heisman favorite, you know, one of the Heisman favorites. Uh, he's going to be, have a, a great year as well. And uh, Texas football is back. That's what I want to say. Uh, and, and, you know, for the betterment of, you know, everybody involved. I hope that they're a little <laughs> bit back. But, you know, that, that Saturday, October 8th game, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm already having Xavier Worthy nightmares and uh, not looking forward to seeing him again because he he's just a great player, man. Had a rough yeah. end to the, uh, the the Red River Showdown last year, but the dude is just a fantastic player with, with a lot of a lot of talent and a lot of upside. And uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners, man, it, it's it's a season of turnover. It's a season of newness. There's a lot of life in Norman right now and a lot of excitement over what Brent, Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, Ted Roof, the assistant coaches, what they're bringing to the table. Just from a culture standpoint, how well that plays out on the field is going to be what we look forward to seeing in the 2022 season. But I think a lot of, a lot of us are still pretty optimistic about where we're headed. Uh, you know, the Big 12, it's up for grabs. It's anybody's ball game, but Oklahoma should be still pretty well positioned to make a run at, at another Big 12 title. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Longhorns with Jonathan Davis and myself, John Williams of Locked On Sooners. We're going to do it again probably several more times this offseason as we get into the 2022 season, but we'll definitely do it during Red River Showdown Week. It's been a lot of fun. Jonathan, again, welcome to Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you. And I have to redeem myself really quick. The Red River rivalry. I know I messed there it up at go. the beginning, so I had to say it uh, at the end. But yes, sir, the first of many, definitely. And I'm glad to yeah. be here. 
I don't know if you ever watched that show 30 Rock, but there's an episode where um, one of the characters talks about this movie that she did based on a book called The Rural Juror. And it just they just butcher it the entire episode. And so every time I try to say Red River Rivalry, it just yeah. it comes out just like that Red River route. So I just I, I decided to stick to Showdown or Shootout because it just rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. So trust me, you're not alone with the Red River Rivalry. Like I really have to think about it every time I say it like that because it just wants to turn to mush in my mouth. But yeah, a lot of fun. Make sure you all go follow Jonathan on Twitter at Johnzo Ball. Make sure you check out the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Anytime he's talking about Oklahoma, I'm sure he's going to have some great reasonable takes. Go check that out. Hey, if you got a Longhorns friend, make sure you tell them about the, the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Again, I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. Also, you can subscribe to Locked on Longhorns on YouTube as well as Locked on Sinners on YouTube. But until next time, he's Jonathan, da- or he's Jonathan Davis. I'm John Williams. <laughs> We'll catch you next time. Peace.